Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the NXT review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the deadly boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT but also AW Dynamite, Rules, SmackDown, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamplin and Sidgwick to review NXT. And what did you make of last night's show with all the title matches, Michael Hamplin? Good. Really good. Mm. Um, short of thrilling, for the most part, I have to admit. Um, but very little bad. And I continue to have my trust gradually rebuilt in the process. The sometimes boring, the very transparent, but the formula of the fortnightly booking patterns of NXT with the stuff that looms in the background for TakeOver while presenting television-ready stuff. That's very boring analysis of an art form, I appreciate, but I think we're still some way away from finding the perfect version of NXT as an art form. It's just been about watching the machine like kind of clunk back into life again because it does produce episodes of television like this where I genuinely enjoyed it. I like seeing where things were going for almost every character. I keep going back to that thing the other week where we were Sidgwick pulling up the roster, looking for an opponent to answer like an interruption promo. And there wasn't really anybody there. And there was more of that this week. Everybody feels included. Everybody feels like they've got directions and you're getting the little rewards because the matches, while far from five stars, are rewarding of your sort of two or three weeks of investment in these mini feeds. These matches feel so much more worthy than they did when they were hot-shotted this time last mm. year. Had a good time with this. There were some very good things on this show, some underwhelming moments as well, but I feel like the fact that I was underwhelmed is an actual elusive feeling I have towards <laughs> this product. Uh, my expectations were really high for two matches, and one hit more than the other. The other really didn't hit for me at all, which is a damn shame. But the fact that I didn't watch this numb and blank and instead was, oh, that could have been better. Oh, it's a shame they didn't get that bit of execution, right? Must mean, therefore, that it's capable now of creating expectations, which to echo Hamlet's point, must mean that they are quietly doing something half decent on this goddamn show after a wretched run. Yeah, I thought I thought there was a the, the main event was 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 really good this week. Really enjoyed that two out of three falls match, um, and we'll talk more about the other title match once we get to that. But yeah, like you say, a great show and a continuation of stuff we've been saying for the past few weeks of just how much 
NXT has improved since it moved nights. Let's dive straight into it. Then the show started <laughs> with a murder. Karrion Cross uh, versus Austin Theory, non-title, of course. Uh, this built last week when uh, Austin Theory complimented Scarlett on her nails and then inexplicably thought it was a good idea with Johnny Gargano to jump the NXT champion. Uh, so the match started with Gargano in, trying to encourage Austin Theory. It's fine. You, you've got this. It's fine. Theory's obviously terrified, but immediately comes in, tries to, to sort of jumpstart the match with Cross, punches, standing drop kicks. Cross just sort of absorbs it all. Hoys Theory all over the place, takes it down with a stiff old clothesline. Uh, Cross is just battering him. Then Gargano, oh, before Gargano can uh, interfere, actually, Cross encourages Theory to reach for Gargano and then just stamps on his hand. Uh, Gargano then causes a distraction, jumps up on the apron. That allows uh, Austin Theory to rake Cross's eyes, blinding him and allowing uh, Theory to take a bit of control. They go to the outside. Theory throws Cross into the barrier, hits him with a DDT on the outside. It's a rolling drop kick. And gets a one count. Uh-oh. Theory hits a fallaway slam on Cross, who just immediately fires straight back up. Two Saito suplexes, doomsday punch. Theory's out. But rather than opinion, Chris Cross chokes him out while staring at Johnny Gargano. The ref stops the match. Cross celebrates. And then post-match, Finn Balor pops up in the ring behind Karrion Cross. Balor says he doesn't wait in lines. He wants a title shot. And Cross says he wants he wants the match just as much as Balor does. And, uh, well, we'll get to when that match gets announced a little bit later on in the show. But what did you think of the opener, Michael Hamplet? Match first, because I thought it was great. Um, I kind of projected more of a squash, like even less than Austin Theory got. But I didn't hate what he got here at all. Um, if anything, it, it gave the excuse for Karrion Cross to actually show some charisma on the comeback. So that was quite welcome. Um, absolutely no more than they needed here for establishing like who Cross is as a baby face, which still doesn't totally work for me. <laughs> but it certainly works in contrast to the way as heels. Like it, at least Theory and Gargano are so good as heels that Cross can become the default baby face here, even if he isn't doesn't really connect as the baby face every mm. week. It's the benefit of stables. I know there's another one later on the show, so I'm getting a bit confused with them all running around. <laughs> but isn't it but funny how they're doing like two more stables that they were <laughs> a month ago? Hmm. This is what stables are great for. So, like, again, here, you know, like I know you said we're going to mention it. I wasn't mad high on the post match because it's like shortcut stuff. Um, but again, with Cross as a baby face, there's an honor to offering Finn Balor a rematch. Now that he's kind of like like reappeared back in NXT, you would assume he'll win. Um, and they appear to be teeing up Gargano as um, Cross's takeover challenger if and when he's to lose the North American title. Again, like just getting to see the wires a little bit is quite pleasing because mm. it allows you to appreciate them doing the work. And I, I did enjoy the really enjoy the presentation of Karen Cross here. And I don't get to say that very often. I liked the booking far more than I did the in-ring performance of Karen Cross here. One of my key core complaints about the very worst of NXT throughout late night in, late 2019 and virtually all of 2020 is that it was so painfully obvious what the direction was. And I hated just how lifeless the actual build was and how perfunctory the build was. You got some boilerplate dialogue, some staring at titles. All of it was somehow made to look way better through a video package and then on to take over. In direct contrast to that, you've got the perfect use of 
very good use of a stable building towards the actual match. And then in the meantime, you've got two splintered directions between Gargano and Bronson Reed and Cross and Finn Balor. Um, just to tie up any loose ends, not that they weren't perfectly sewn up at TakeOver Stand and Deliver, but regardless, it's still more interesting than the alternative. So basically, Karrion Cross has got two opponents looming, which is way better than just doing aimless stuff with one. Good. Good, good, good. I continue to think Karrion Cross is actively quite bad. I just do. Um, I can't pretend to do cartwheels about him. I just think, just to echo the points on the preview very briefly... He's impossible to root for. He's so close to the line of parody. And for me, he just grunts past it. And again, even if I have problems with the idea that you meant to root for this guy, I just find it drastically bad pro wrestling booking. I just do. Look at him. I understand Hamlet's point about the way there's an effective balance to that. But at the same time, if you're going to be the intense Colossus bastard, like resonate as one in the ring, that spot that he does, that they are convinced looks like, oh God, he's going to cave the back of someone's skull in if the referee doesn't intervene. It never looks like that, ever. He's just not good enough as a worker to be able to just pound the back of someone's back, head and neck with those elbows and forearms to make it look like they are like in trouble, lights out, Get him off him because mm. something bad will happen if you don't. It just, the work looks actively bad and I do not buy it. Uh, and then we saw Leon Ruff bursting into William Regal's office. He's demanding to compete tonight, but uh, he's not going to be cleared by William Regal. Bit of a yelling match. And then we got MSK versus Breezango in a non-title match. Nice bit of fun, this. Uh, especially when the referee did a drop-down leapfrog spot. Got a huge bap. Um Fandango hits a falcon arrow uh, for a near fall. They hit that wonderful standing moonsault, push your mate onto him thing. Uh, but Fandango tackles Wesley into, into the pile just to break up that fall. Big brawl. Uh, the champs get hit with some super kicks. Then there's a moonsault to the outside from Nash Carter. Uh, they get back into the ring. Breeze goes for an unpretty, yeah, but they reverse it and hit them with the, I think it's called the end transmission. For the victory. Nice bit of sportsmanship afterwards from Breezango shaking the hands of MSK. I just love watching MSK on Wednesday, on Tuesday nights, uh, Michael Sidgwick. Yeah, I think this is, might be my favourite part of the show. I guess the main event was technically better and longer mm. and all the rest of it. But my God, the experience of just watching MSK in these 10-minute mini bangers on TV, I'm trying to think of a suitable analogy. It's a bit like just listening to a greatest hits set when you know when you're bored of the studio albums yet. I just love those spots still. That's still magic. They're still like take my breath away. They're still mm. exhilarating. You've got the added layer of just how show adjacent fun with the referee stuff, which sometimes it feels tacked on this new fun directive, wacky fun directive with <laughs> NXT, but they couldn't have picked a better dynamic. A babyface team wrestling a babyface team and you kind of like both. You really like one and you've still got affection for the other. That's the perfect time to do this kind of stuff. You don't want a soulless emulation of what constitutes as a quote-unquote great pro wrestling match between these two teams. Like You just want a bit of fun with it. You want to emerge from it and join both. And I completely got that. More of this kind of stuff. Love that referee thing. Imagine yeah. saying, I love that NXT referee stuff. 
<laughs> it's MSK wrestle and the roof of the Capital One Center, the oppressive roof disappears mm. and there's like a blue sky atop it for just a second. Like everything feels lighter. Everything like it's been the same since the debut. Um, and like and long may it continue as well because they're just like they're really vital to this show at the moment. I think it's it, like hindsight already has, has proven putting the belts on them to be like a really great call because I understand like the thirst for the chase and the babyface having this babyface is having this grand moment of glory at takeover or something like that. But as NXT works at trying to establish a tag division again, if you're just tuning in and you see that these are the if you happen to be channel hopping or you know a kind of casual observer of nxt of which we know they've probably got some that they're not hooking like these are the perfect act to see with the belts on them because this is such a great presentation of like contemporary tag team wrestling that doesn't you know it's not going to be i don't think it's going to be like the referee stuff aside it's not going to like capture people's enthusiasm the way say a young bucks match would mm. it doesn't it doesn't mirror like a cocaine banger but it's almost like NXT's version of a cocaine banger. It's like, we're not going to go quite so hard with it. We're going to, you can feel the agent's hands on it a little bit more, but it's not always necessarily a bad thing. I think MSK really pull you in. Obviously, Fandango, and especially someone like a Tyler Breeze, we know a kind of expert in the role as basis for this type of work. Mm. And this is what I'm talking about when, when I talk about like the, trying to find ways to trust the process again. I think ultimately Breeze Angle are going to turn heel soon. Mm. I think this is going to be a frustrated veterans losing streak gimmick. Like only very delicate mention of it in the commentary and slight hesitation on the handshake at the end. But great, you're not. It's not like sledgehammer subtlety. They're going to like they're going to build to this, and at some point you'll kind of like Breeze Angle have another go at this as villains, and that's new too. That's a new way to use these two because mm. they're pretty bland. They're pretty bland as baby faces. As much as it's nice to like them like getting another go of it as these fashionista arseholes, I think is going to be quite good. Yeah, I hope they don't go full Tyler Breeze working that programme opposite Velveteen Dream. Oh, like, no. I'm actually a great worker. It's like, what? <laughs> matches in recent takeover memory. Like, be, stay true to the characters, but in a more heelish way. Um, yeah, just to echo that point, I was convinced that MSK should have had the long chase. But ultimately, the reason why the long chase is so prevalent is that it's tried and true. It's virtually impossible to hook up. Hmm. If you can be an over-winning babyface act, just be that more than the chasers. And these guys are. Yeah, and they called out uh, Legola del Fantasma post-match. So that looks, that looks like where we're going next. But I like you say, I, I echo what you both say about Brizango as well. In terms of they did just perfect for this role. But I did also think... All right, well, what else are they going to do? And then that little tease at the end, yeah, got me very excited for the future for those two as well. Um, one of the uh, advertised matches, Killian Dane versus Alexander Wolf, was called off because Wolf has a stomach bug, uh, tummy upset. Although, report today in the news, it may be more suspicious than all that. Basically, uh, there's a video that went up on the YouTube channel. With Wolf basically saying, oh, you know, the doc says I can't wrestle. Uh, and then the doc saying, no, no, he told me he had stomach flu. So intriguing to see where that goes next. And then we got a little comedy skit from Johnny Gargano, furious, bursting into William Regal's office yet again uh, to complain about the fact he's got to face Bronzerine and defend his North American Championship next week. And it concluded, Michael Sidgwick, very briefly, with Johnny Gargano snapping a pencil, which popped me. I'll... I'll... 
continue to hate the idea of an authority figure. I simply do. But, and this might be generous, but I like the contrast between Ruff and Gargano here. Mm. Like, Ruff, I still <clears throat> don't like the idea of Ruff being a little pissed off teenager getting told off by the teacher, even though the teacher, you know, it's, it's even more patronizing that the teacher's looking out for this young kid. But maybe there was a deliberate contrast here, and there very much was. Gargano, as Hamlet's very astutely pointed out before, is the perfect, in fact, the only person who can get away with this kind of dynamic with William Regal. Um, good physical comedy, of which Gargano is just very good at these days. Just, yeah, just a comparison of the rough thing I was so pleased about because, it, oh, it's actually people thinking about like how this show's supposed to look. It's people like trying to do their job as best as they can. Like, it's all behind the scenes stuff that I was there to appreciate about that. The contrast was nice. Uh, next came the highlight of NXT for one Michael Hamlet as they announced <laughs> that yes we are getting the return of the biggest star in NXT since Pat McAfee Todd Pettengill uh, will be back to host NXT TakeOver in your house on June 13th I bet you just about that Hamlet. yeah I can't wait um, as much as like I was sort of I don't know like I couldn't quite reach the highs of last year's first reveal of that logo and the premise feels different this time because last year we were all in our house and certainly in Florida, people have been back out since the middle of last year. Um, this is nice as an potentially annual theme really is like really adds like that. Like even the graphic is just a splash of color to NXT. And the fact that they went from this to Everize popping up behind the commentary team. Yeah. Again, was just reminds like, Oh, does this, does this show know how to have a laugh once in a while? Like, if it if it does, like it's gonna be all the better for it. So again, I well like and I'll I wait with bated breath to see what things from in your house's past they're gonna try and revisit this time because they can't really just mine the same stuff as last year. So I, like my anticipation now is in what they might revisit to try and capture the magic the second time around. One more and done. This one being the one more for me. Um when they're back in like big scale arenas for takeovers, I don't need to see this. I just don't. Mm. It's kind of you can mock it as a strategy and as a mentality, like they've got the oldest audience possible and they're just acknowledging that. It's fine, <laughs> I enjoy it, but yeah, one more. I'm cynical about whether they can put the same feeling in me, but we'll see, we'll see. Is there any chance, Hamlet, because I'm really hopeful for this, that we're going to get Todd interacting with more of the stars because I would love to see, you know, him chatting to an Ever-Rise, to a Cameron. Oh my God, he's sold it on us. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes, is the answer. Second time around. So this time last year, of course, everyone was, had to stay where they were. So he was doing, like, he was doing the best he could in these, like, great green screen promotional pieces. He, a lot of people forgot about this. He made one appearance on a Royal Rumble watch-along in, I think it was 2020. Um which was this like nice moment when, when you never imagined that in your house would come back, but also you never imagined a pandemic would hit. So it was just, oh, cool, like Todd's back on terms. That's that's quite interesting. Maybe you'll do a DVD with him or something like that. Uh, it's this now. So yes, I expect him to be there in person, like backstage cool. interviews, like the, I don't know. Like, I just think they'll use him. Maybe they'll do a DVD. Yeah, I can see why you like in your house, Hamlet. Oh, sorry, it's, you know what? It works special or a Blu-ray these days, you old bastard. I realise my Freudian slip is because he did do a DVD and I bought it. <laughs> uh, then we got the, the lovely spot with Ever Eyes, as you mentioned, plugging their talk show in the background. 
More of these boys on TV, please. And then we got the resident grumpy bastard of NXT. Quite done. He came out. Uh, he, <laughs> he called out. I used to live in Birmingham. I'm allowed to do the accent. Uh, he uh, he called out Karrion Cross for talking him. Uh, he vowed to become the champion. He said, you know what? For the time being, I'll let you an open challenge. Anyone in the back, come out and prove me wrong. And out comes, well, not out comes from behind. Leon Ruff attacks Pete Dunne. I'm not, I couldn't work out whether was he not cleared to wrestle or was he was cleared to wrestle, but William Regal wouldn't let him wrestle. I think was the was the what I got from the earlier segment. So it's a bit Regal knows best. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, it proved to be the case because uh, they immediately got the match. Pete Dunn versus Leon Ruff, and he got tortured. Uh, obviously, joint manipulation from Pete Dunn. Ruff fought back, hit a Hurricane Rana, uh, and do it now. Back to back to contorting your body, making you into a human pretzel. Ruff fires up again, uh, hits a missile drop kick, um, but then Dunn lays him out with a forearm triangle, keeps raining down elbows basically until the ref stops the match. And then post match, Dunn snapped his fingers, didn't he? Because that's what he likes to do. Yeah, good stuff. This Sige. Yes and no. I like the attempts to pick an opponent that he could very easily beat as explained away in the storylines but still continues to be something of a self-own of a booking method this pete dunn is complaining that in storylines someone's ducking him in reality that to me scans as they don't really have a firm direction for him and they are just going to do or they might but it's not time to execute that plan yet so they are just going to have him beat people for four or five minutes at a time it's not great episodic tv it just isn't I, yeah, I'm not like I, I didn't mind how the match played out. I like I like this Pete Dunn. Um, I don't need a promo at the start, and I've got some issues with the Leon Ruff booking. But I do like this was like the Pete Dunn we were kind of introduced to when he became like a kind of a Brit Res phenomenon before Brit Res itself just ate itself again. Like he's cruel. He's like a, a mean heel that is a, a danger ultimately to champions. So I like this. I think this is serviceable stuff if i do agree with cedric it sort of feels a little bit transparent that he's just in a holding pattern like again there's no rank done as managed by taz and taz doing technique by taz with pete dunn and with rankings because it's like oh you've absorbed two three pretty big losses so you've got to start again and get back to bit again there's none of that really so it, it lacks that kind of like a background reading that would really help the leon rough thing's really tricky because like on it's a bit like giving on one hand and taking with the other because it's like, oh, he's not going to listen to dad. And then three minutes later, it's like, oh, you should have listened to dad. <laughs> so I, I don't know quite like, I, fine. Like he's not going to, he's not going to kowtow to an authority. And then just a few short minutes later, you're like, should have kowtow to the old authority. Like, I don't quite know what I'm supposed to make of that. So all of it, you know, half measures. Didn't yeah. hate it though. Didn't hate I loved it. A, I loved a bit later on where only law can cut a promo and said... <laughs> Pete Dunn could beat uh, Karen Cross. He could beat Vin Balor, and he could definitely beat you, Kyle O'Reilly. And I thought, no, he can't. I've literally no. watched that happen. He can't. Whole run. <laughs> but anyway, um, we've got a promo from Lagada del Fantasma with Santos Escobar cutting a promo on Kushida, uh, saying he'll win his title back effectively. And it was then announced that Frank Frankie Monet, the world premiere of Frankie Monet, is going down in two weeks' time. Perfect, perfect booking, as we suggested, Michael Hamplett. Yeah. Um, again, like this sort of two 
three-week cycle stuff in between takeovers is the NXT I really, really like. You get just enough time to anticipate a match or a debut um, based on like only like a mid-level build-up to something. They've had Frankie Monet as a bit of a stirrer across the whole division without giving you an opponent immediately to get excited about. So why would they just give one away now? Like really like this and feel like this is there to potentially rev you up for her having something more significant at mm. takeover in your house. They've got the time if they want to build that. I mean, it's good. They've established a character here. They've It's just good old-fashioned promotion. That's what this is. And theoretically, I mean, I don't care enough to do this, but theoretically, NXT fans will think, oh, well, who's a, the opponent going to be? Because everyone hates her. Everyone hates complete <laughs> dick who's just burying everyone in that sort of quite tremendous low-key way. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Right, let's move on to our first title match of the night. It was the NXT Women's Championship being defended by Raquel Gonzalez against Mercedes Martinez. Uh, an enjoyable match if, I think, as you said earlier, Sid, slightly underwhelming this. Uh, lots of brawling here. Fight spills to the outside. 
Martinez has Gonzalez trapped in the ropes. She hits a draping, twisting neck breaker on her. She hits a spear on the apron, which looked look rough. Um, in, the, in the end, we have uh, Martinez countering Gonzalez as Gonzalez goes for a finisher hit. She hits a running knee strike and a suplex for a two count. But Gonzalez eventually hits a big boot uh, and a signature powerbomb on Mercedes Martinez for the one, two, three. Raquel Gonzalez retains. Well, I don't know. How do you feel about this this match, Sige? It was our worst night since Port- Portland uh, by some distances. Disaster's way too harsh, but it fell apart. Like the match fell apart at the worst possible time at which it could have fallen apart and emerged from it thinking Gonzalez looked like the like the man, the woman, the actual ace of this division at all. And emerged from it thinking, oh, Martinez, great to see her in the ring. What a fight that was. I'd like to see what she does next. Mm. Bad night for both of them. And I hate any reminder of what NXT and to a lesser extent, the overall system is. It is a place where they place, sorry, and profound, arrogant value on their own playbook. We know best. Triple H has actually spoke about this playbook years and years ago. I think um, ahead of NXT arrival, um, talking about how when you come to work for us, you run our playbook because we feel like we know how to succeed, irrespective of whether the, the individual talents are good at doing the playbook or should really be promoted as what they are good at doing. Mm-hmm. And that has felt the ambition, the imposed ambition of this match made it fall apart. It was a match that made me less high than I was on Gonzalez. Reinforced my belief that the way of that NXT does things generally is not it. And I was just disappointed. Yeah, same. Um, clunky, like an overthought. Uh, I think that's it. Like I found myself too often, especially in the second half of the match, not being able to just watch this as a fan and instead hover above it and like kind of like to echo Sidgwick's point, really, like find faults with like the bigger picture rather than just being able to concentrate on this much smaller one. The... Because what that does, ultimately, less so with like Mercedes Martinez, but certainly with Raquel Gonzalez, is it just reminds you that a lot of these wrestlers to Triple H or to Shawn Michaels or whoever is backstage there are just moldable bits of clay to them. And they like their molds shaped a certain way. This is not to the, you know, I'm not being critical of this to the extent of, say, Rhea Ripley on Raw currently. Like, not by a long way. And that's something that's noticeable, is that gap is starting to widen again between NXT and the main roster. And that's no bad thing for where we were for most of 2020. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to see that. And I don't want to think about that. This, were, we were so full of praise for this booking because it just made mm. so much sense. Hospital, fight. Like, let the wrestlers wrestle the way these women are built to wrestle, which is to just beat the out of each other in a way that like looks convincing because look at the size of them. They got this formula so right with Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley back at, was it Halloween Havoc or New Year's Evil? Like New Year's Evil. Evil. They got the formula so right. What a fight that was. That second one, especially if it was two. Mm. Um, And like, so it's all more perplexing how this missed because it was, it it just felt overthought from the off. Mm. And as much as it was like, how it was executed that kind of took me out of it in the second half. You could feel it earlier on that, like there was a feeling very early on in the match. It's like, oh no, like this, this just isn't going to hit in the way we thought it would. So yeah, bit of a bit of a shame. This, mm. yeah, 
then we uh, found Bronson Reed backstage. He'd been attacked by Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. More on that in a little bit of time. Uh, and I'll let you know what happened next because you two, let's be honest, you're pretty wigger wigger whack when it comes to this sort of thing. And I'm far more fresh uh, when talking about Swerve and his new stable uh, hit row. Uh, he came down, he got a promo. Uh, he said he's made mistakes, but his biggest mistake was trying to be the uh, what people wanted him to be. He said what he really is is a savage. He's disrespectful. He's a dangerous man. He had to recruit people that believe that about him, and he introduced his teammates. AJ Francis is now known as Top Dollar. I will not attempt to uh, recreate what he did. There's a line, and, and I, I, I even I know I, I can't attempt that. So it was great. I thought this. Uh, Ashanti the Adonis was there as well, um, just boasting and, sh- and showboating about what a great stable they are. We also got uh, B-Fab from the group. As I mentioned, this group is now known as Hit Row. Uh, and yeah, fresh. What do you think, Sige? I thought this was awful, man. I thought this was the names. Jesus Christ. Top dollar. B-Fab? I mean, away. Like, hoe, not for me at all. This I couldn't tell whether it was a bad execution of a bad idea or if this stuff simply will not work in the incredibly WWE, shall we say, environment. But I just thought this was awful. I was cringing for them. Um, like, background noises of like, tell them, tell them, tell them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There was so like off kilter. There was no sense of like chemistry. I mean, they've just been together and thrown on TV for the first time this week. I'm not enough of a dickhead to not like acknowledge that. But it was just, I couldn't believe a word they were saying at all. Um, Couldn't tell if the rap was meant to be bad or meant to be intimidating (laughs) This is just rubbish. Hamlet, am I being harsh? No, this this was good if you didn't watch or listen to any of it. So, like, if somebody told you, oh, there's a new stable called Hit Row, they've brought together some mid-carders, um, there's a chance they might get over it. It's important to have a stable on NXT when, like, there's evidence that it works elsewhere. You're like, oh, all right, I'll watch this, and I'll maybe, like, whoever the first programme is with, then that, that baby face is going to be in bother, and they're probably going to get over his heels. You've got a woman in the group, as you do with the way, which is great because you can skew multiple divisions as stables. That's proven successful as well. Um, just don't watch or listen to any of the presentation and you'll love it, Ro. Uh, it's like, I, the rap made me think of the um, butt out safety group in the smoking episode of South Park. Right, the other side, if you don't smoke, you can grow up to be just like us. And it cuts to... <laughs> Cuts to all the boys smoking behind the school <laughs> straight afterwards. Um, yeah, can't like just write this off as a complete disaster because it's week one and you know things can turn around and it's never going to be like, look, the low bar has been set by retribution, they're not going to limbo under that. Um, not great. This, and you know, there was an image that dropped last week after um, Swerve got his win. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, that's his new group. You know, when they're all leaving together mm. and you saw them late and they'd already post they'd already posted that first image of them as a group to establish this idea that they haven't just come together overnight, they're mates, whatever. Like, fine. Like, I wish all we had still was that image and not <laughs> and not this. 
<laughs> not this. the fab way, man. And hit uh, It's the of the NXT creative team have, in my opinion, in what appears to have happened, have traded on their very, very, very shallow knowledge of ancient hip hop, <laughs> like <laughs> name. That's what I'm looking for. Conventions. Yeah. Big Bab. Hit Row's Death Row. It's like, could you not have, like, not done that? <laughs> Please. Maybe you just didn't get it. Maybe you just didn't get it because, like, unlike me, you didn't grow up on the main streets of Chesterfield. But, you know, some people get it, some people won't. Uh, I'm just updating my notes then. Hit Row, not fire. Put an S in front of it, and that's what the Dudleys think of it okay uh <laughs> all right what came next was great because it was it he was at an auction this time he was trying to buy a house look very fancy uh and he was he was baffled by the auctioneer which tickled me at first off why's everyone talking so fast i don't know why that got me <laughs> he's going back and forth People are holding up paddles. One of the paddles is obscuring someone else's face. Anyway, Cameron Grimes thinks he's got the house for like $8 million. When, who else? But Ted DiBiase comes in with a $20 million bid. Not great that. You're probably going to be living in negative equity. So think more about that, Ted. But anyway, uh, obviously another conniption fit here from, from Grimes. He's furious. And DiBiase says, everyone's got a price for the million dollar man but you are no million-dollar man, and Grimes flips out yet again. More good stuff, this, Sige. That didn't really hit for me, this one this week. It was mildly amusing slash cute that Cameron Grimes, the beautiful idiot, doesn't know what an auctioneer is. <laughs> A bit cute, but there was, no, there was no punchline to this one for me. Yeah, you don't... You're not sat there popping, are you? You, you kind of do that, oh, yeah. Like it's it's not really even a laugh. It's an acknowledgement that a joke was told. Yeah. <laughs> an acknowledgement of an attempt at a punchline isn't really you sat there laughing. Um, fine. I kind of wish they'd folded this into the promotion of In Your House. Like, why doesn't Cameron Grimes try to buy the house that he believes that Takeover is set in? Something like that. I think you could have probably been a little bit more creative with that. Um, Teddy Biossi was a feature for a lot of those In Your Houses. He had his corporation. Now is the time for Cameron Grimes to set up his corporation only for Teddy Biossi to... Like, if they want to do... And they love these things. If they want to do one of those nights where a bunch of legends beats up a current guy, why doesn't Cameron Grimes threaten to get his own corporation together? And just one night, you can have like DiBiase and IRS and Tatanka and anyone else in that group that was still healthy enough. Like just learn a few shots on Cameron Grimes as a one-off segment on In Your House because it like hits that exact period of time as well. That's one of those times where it's not like the Ascension getting decked by the APA for no reason. There's mm. actually sort of a, a bit of storyline. It's like Heath Slater getting beaten by the Raw Legends. You can do that sort of sparingly. You can probably get away with that here. Depends if Tank is too busy having so much fun backstage on Raw Legends night. We'll see if... Uh, <laughs> uh, Here he is, from... McCool, his best friend <laughs> in the past. Promos from uh, Zoe Stark and Tony Storm. Uh, Stark says Storm is jealous of her because she works harder than it. They're going to face off next week Next week, and she's going to destroy her, basically. More good stuff with these two. And then we got Cool Cattle Rally. Uh, this was set up uh, earlier on in the parking lot. Only Law can just add a go at him, basically, and they set themselves up for a fight. Um, look, these two are 
incredibly talented working together. Obviously, grappling looked great, and then they go into a sort of MMA strike battle. Uh, Pete Dunn's at ringside for only Lorcan. He distracts O'Reilly, which allows him, Lorcan, to take control with a bit of a sneak attack. O'Reilly, after the break, makes a comeback. It's a brain buster uh, and finishes it all off with the uh, flying knee drop to get the pinfall victory over Oni Lorcan. Post-match, the numbers game, though, cashes up to Card O'Reilly. Lorcan and Dunn jump him when who should run down to make the save? But Bobby Fish, he's been he's back after, what, five months off, I think it is. Um, they clean house, and then there's this weird yelling exchange of like, all right, mate, how's the wife and kids? Yeah, good. He's <laughs> him back, uh, but he's doing his own thing. Fish said he understood that. He's got his own scores to settle. I'll see you when I see you sort of thing. Bobby Fish is back, Michael Hampler, and they didn't just go, you two are on Disputed Era. I quite like this. Yes, me too. All of this was good. None of it was great. Match was good. Well worked. Kyle O'Reilly is toning down the cool Kyle stuff when he wrestles, which is a big plus because I feel like we're very, very stuck with it in his promos. Um, Only Larkin's good. Great chemistry. I wasn't bored. You know, like I, I wasn't electrified, but I wasn't bored. Uh, Bobby Fish comes back. The stuff is cheesy because they're shouting each other in the middle of the ring. That's a curse of WWE production. We're stuck with that kind of stuff forever. Um, but yeah, I'm with you on the Undisputed Era stuff as well. I didn't think this was too heavy handed. It is okay for these two to be mates and yet acknowledge that there's been a parting of the ways. I, I like this Undisputed Era split the more that nothing is happening with it. Roddy Strong is gone. Adam Cole is by the pool pretending everything's fine. Kyler O'Reilly is cracking on. Bobby Fish is where it was, we think I was going to crack on. I like this. I didn't care for it at all when it was actually happening every week. <laughs> yeah. But them actually struggling as human beings to cope with the aftermath of it is something I'm quite into. They're, they might be onto something here after all. There might be something to salvage from that wreckage. I didn't hate remotely the idea that there doesn't have to be a reconciliation. There doesn't have to be a breakup. These could simply be two real human beings that have an interior life. Just thank you for that. Like a small glimpse that there's an attempt to make this feel lived in and real. Um, I won't remember this match beyond the experience of watching it for a million years, but you know, there's one little lush moment where Kyle O'Reilly was just lunging fists into Logan. It's one of my favorite things that a pro wrestler can do. When you're not hitting someone, make it look like you nonetheless wanted to hit them really, really hard. Mm. Kyle O'Reilly's a master at that because he's a masterful pro wrestler. Um, I continue to not enjoy the the cool Kyle character, but (laughs) I'm stuck with it. And I'm hoping that I like the man enough, and I do, that everything will be okay. But that's a very subjective take. On an objective level, people are laughing at this. In certain... The certain circles of Twitter that you don't know how much stock to put in are laughing at this and they tend to realise or grasp what is about to fail or succeed on some level. Uh, two big announcements came. I'm not sure if they were together, but I've put them together in my notes here. Uh, Bronson Reed announces he's going to challenge Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship in a cage match next week. Cannot wait for that. And we are getting, yes, as I mentioned earlier, Carrying Cross versus Finn Balor in two weeks for the NXT Championship. So, Sage, what do you reckon to this booking? Um, it's a WWE steel cage match, so it's automatically bad before it's lowered. However, and this is some 
celebration of Johnny Gargano. If anyone can get over the abysmal layouts of your typical WWE steel cage match, it's Gargano. I, I want him to sprint up that bloody thing the second the bell sounds like. Gargano will do a good comedy cage match, I think. An awful, bastardized stip in the hands of Gargano will be very good, I think. It's one of those rare feelings where... Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, are we getting a tsunami off the top of the cage? Jesus Christ. I hope not. Yeah, go on, do it. That's anyway. the finish. That's the finish, I think. That's I mean, if they're going to... They're going to transition Gargano from the mid-card title division, which he loses, then challenges for the heavyweight title. There's mileage in him saying it was unfair or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I, we'll book the finish on the preview, as yeah. we so often do. As for the other match, fine. You'll get a rating. You'll further solidify carrying Cross as the ace. It's just something that WWE does. One rematch will be fine, and Karrion Cross can hopefully learn how to hit people properly or pretend to hit people properly, <laughs> working with someone who can very much do that in Finn Balor. It's going to get a rating, and it's not yet totally and utterly dry. So go for it. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? You, like Your excitement for this rematch is almost entirely dependent on how much you like the first one or indeed like the work of Karrion Cross brackets general, or Finn Balor, brackets the last year or so. Um, as somebody that doesn't care for any of the above, I'm not exactly hyped, but I got some admiration for them doing it, I think. like It's, it's a way to get Finn Balor out of the way without feeling like you're getting him out of the way, um, which is how wrestling should work. You don't want Finn Balor to feel like this buried entity by the end, and he's not going to. He's just going to... It's just going to turn out that Karen Cross is the better man, probably. And Finn Balor's got to go and find something else to do for a while and find himself and figure out a way back in the title picture. I didn't laugh out loud at uh, Cameron Grimes, but I did like have a bit of a chuckle for them running that, like what appeared to be self-made Marvel type vignette for the way. Yeah. Only for then Bronson Reed to be like, I'm in a cage. And nullifying the entire threat that they'd established in that graphic, and like, I'm keeping on the outside, there's nothing you can do. I, I thought, like, putting them two things next to each other on the show by design was really quite cute, like, mm. unusually so from NXT. Like, nothing can stop these superhero figures away. I've got a cage, done. <laughs> I, uh, I like that. And yet, we all know that he's probably going to hit the tsunami with all three members of the way on his back, like. Oh. He off the ladder to poor Candice LeRae. Right, let's get on to the main event. Two out of three falls match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Kushida versus Santos Escobar. And I have to say, I love this. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, they nullified Legado del Fantasma almost immediately. They almost immediately tried to interfere when MSK just dived through the crowd and referee ejects both teams. We just get the one-on-one match we were hoping for. Now we go to a break. Come back. Escobar is in control. Kushida had uh, wiped out on a dive. Escobar's tar- targeting his back. He's got single leg crabs and, and the like. Kushida starts making a comeback, back handspring, back elbow, drop kick. Escobar cuts him off. Phantom driver. One, two, three. Santos Escobar gets the first fall. Very quickly, we get the second fall, in fact, uh, because uh, Escobar's trying to take control and, and dominate and make use of the fact he's already just put him down for one. When Kushida 
gets him in the cross arm breaker and Escobar isn't an idiot. It's a two out of three falls match. Why fight and scratch and claw for the ropes when you can just tap out relatively quickly as Wade Barrett pointed out on commentary and you're still in the match and you haven't suffered as much as Kushida already has in it. Uh, They go to the outside and well, Kushida has just got a target on Escobar's arm now. Um, Escobar though fights back, snaps him on the top rope, uh, Tornado Tope Suicida through the ropes. Uh, Kushida fights back, gets a flying knee on Escobar, targeting the injured arm from earlier. Uh, Kushida hits a, a, a shoulder breaker on the floor. But uh, Escobar, when they get back in the ring, gets a small package for a great little two count. They trade a few near falls and then they get up. They're fighting on the top turnbuckle. Kushida hits a Spanish fly into a hoverboard lock. Wonderful that. Um, but Escobar manages to reach the bottom rope to break the hold. Uh, Kushida then just suplexes him straight into the turnbuckles, goes to do it again. Uh, and then, but this time he's, he suplexed him into the ring and he's trapped the arm of Escobar already injured. He bridges Kushida into a cover uh, and Escobar is powerless to kick out. Uh, one, two, three, Kushida wins. Kushida wins two to one. He retains the cruiserweight championship. And I thought we had a great main event. What did you think of it, Hamlet? Yeah, I like this a lot. Um, like appreciated the construction end to end. Um, we talked about the inclusion of MSK and Legado del Fantasma on the preview, and there being some way, ideally within the first fall, to kind of get them out of the way. We maybe didn't establish Fantasma as a threat, but they've done the work in terms of that tag title match. Yeah, like really, really impressively so, considering when we all kind of had Fantasma as the third team in a triple threat to take a fall back at the last takeover. It's quite something that they've like done the work to get to a TV match between these two teams. So I like that. And it did, it kind of like brushed all the, all the mess away. So let's get on to the match. Let's see what the two wrestlers can do. Um, thought, I, I saw thought throughout the show and it was on show in this match, not just the um, tap out now, save yourself for the third and final fall thing, but the fact that we're going to go to a break guys, but this is a sporting contest that doesn't take breaks. So the match, gave you that fall right as you were kind of preparing for NXT to roll on. You know, like they, they played with their own format to make that fall a little bit more shocking and a little bit more exciting than it would have been. And again, it's just like the minor details. It's, it's just nice to see them paying attention to that. And the the heart of the third fall was in how much you, especially towards the end, like how much you bought the damage to Escobar's arm and elbow. Mm. And I bought all of it. Like really, really well sold. I am probably guilty of this, not giving Kushida enough credit for like how good, even like even now in NXT with the formula lingering over his matches, how good his like limb work can be. Um, I love his flourishes later on when they keep his matches, when they time his matches right. I think his flourishes are stunning. Um, got a lot out of this. Didn't hit like that kind of like any kind of like match of the year conversations or anything like that. But I don't think my expectations were there. Really, really enjoyable. Mm. Like I'm buying Escobar or something more than I did when he had the belt. That standoff at the very beginning where Escobar did this like Hogan double bicep flex as his graphic came up on screen, seemingly independent of the production, where he just kind of like, went, ah, like just screamed in Kushida's face. I was like, oh, you're somebody. I never felt that when he had the belt. So they're getting somewhere with him too. Like a success, this, if not one that I'm doing backflips over. Yeah, it's my takes on this are odd because it was obviously a very, very good match without hitting the great level for me. And I thought the last 10 minutes was sublimely worked. 
but I thought it was a very, very good one-on-one singles match and a pretty bad two-out-three-falls match. Not for what it was, because I did like the logical thread of him tapping, knowing that he had another fall. I did, I thought that detail, I have point, that was tremendous. Uh, Vic Joseph went a little bit overboard on the stop the truck, stop the truck, stop the truck. Like, a fall's happening before we cut away. But the fact that they did it, nonetheless, was still, like, really well, like, just good, attentive, immersive, immersive pro wrestling presentation. But I just think, I was talking on the preview about how much I love the two out of three fall step and how much, like, how much you can play with it, how much drama you can extract from it. It felt to me like an inconvenience to the match. Thought the first fall was anticlimactic. It didn't help that he wasn't in position for the ropes. So it felt less like a pinfall. It just felt like something he was going to kick out of, which is the other side of the coin in a two out of three falls match because you're going to have to kick out of something you wouldn't ordinarily do because you don't want to exhaust all your best stuff um, before the finish. But there's ways to do that. And again, this is never going to be a Carter Omega. I don't think any match ever will be a Omega, a Carter fall. But that pin on the first fall of Dominion 2018 will just live with me forever for how hermetic the execution was and how much I bought it. It just felt like an anticlimactic spot and... The fact that it just happened a minute later, there's issues with the selling there and there's issues with the drama. I just think they could have booked a much better two out of three falls match than they did. Just felt like an inconvenience to the story that they wanted to tell, which is really good with the arm work. Um, So I really liked it if I don't consider it a true, a bit of a missed opportunity to tell a great two out of three falls match here when in fact they just settled for a merely very, very good TV main event. Mm. Uh, but I thought both guys came out of it looking looking better, as as, as Hamlet said there, and excited to see what happens next. And we've got some great episodes of NXT to come. A cage match next week, and then the week after that, uh, debuts, in ring debuts, and of course the NXT Championship match. Show's getting good. Stick with it. Uh, let us know your thoughts on NXT though on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts later on today. Myself and the Daddy Boys sitting down to preview AEW Dynamite. But for now, this has been the NXT review. My thanks to the Daddy Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.